Get your day started with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration and so much more. Rise and shine with Felon DJ. Weekday mornings on Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. One of the greatest proofs of the existence of God and of His divine purposes is what we call fulfilled prophecy. And in today's program, we're going to have a taste of such glorious, inspiring, faith-building prophecy as we continue to learn the book of Zechariah. Our series is entitled, The Coming King, Understanding the Book of Zechariah, a verse-by-verse commentary. When we talk about the coming king, we're referring to Jesus Christ. In the book of Zechariah, we not only have prophecies about his first coming, which were fulfilled to the letter, We also have prophecies of his second coming, as well as descriptions of the kingdom that he will rule over, the kingdom of David, or we also call it the Messianic kingdom. We believe it will come when Jesus comes, it will be here on earth, and it will be the fulfillment of so many promises God made, covenantal promises, let's call them that, in Old and New Testament. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer this heartfelt desire that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we're going to explore a bit more of Zechariah chapter 11. Prior to this, we had these wonderful prophecies of God's mercy and compassion and his ingathering of his scattered people of Judah and Israel. But then when we get to chapter 11, it's like the whole scene turns and God shows that he will send a Messiah a king, a shepherd, that's the metaphor used, and that somehow, some way, Israel will reject that shepherd, and they will do so in rather stark ways. When we get to the next lesson, we'll see what the consequences of that rejection may be, and it appears that that's exactly what's happened in history. So, yes, we're going to take a look here at this whole issue of fulfilled prophecy, a Messiah king coming to his people. He is the good shepherd. And remember, that is a metaphor used to describe God himself. The most beloved prose in the English language has got to be the 23rd Psalm, especially when it's done in the authorized version. The Lord is my shepherd. I've discovered that the Lord is the shepherd, the great shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. But the sheep have to choose to follow this shepherd. They actually can say no, but the consequences of rejecting this shepherd are horrific. So our portion in this segment is Zechariah eleven seven to 12. There will be a chief shepherd, King Messiah, all same person, Zechariah is representing him, and there will be two staffs. One will be called favor or beauty, and the other will be called union or bands. 
And these will represent not only the care of the shepherd protecting the sheep or helping them in difficult places, but it's also meant to represent the desired reunification of the tribes of Judah and Simeon, or the the southern kingdom of Judah, with the ten tribes belonging to the northern kingdom of Israel, hence twelve tribes altogether. However, there will be three other shepherds, and they represent, well, we think prophets, priests, and kings, but because the flock rejects this great shepherd, God says, since you've rejected me, I will leave you to your fate. If you're dying, you're going to be dead. If you're cut off, you'll be permanently separated. And that's what happens as well. And then he says his covenant will be broken with the nations. We're not sure exactly all of this covenant with the nations is. Of course, we know there was one in Abraham, that through Abraham and his seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's Genesis 12, verse 3. But one commentator has another slant on this. And basically, the shepherd as he separates from his sheep, he asks them, what is his price? And they actually say, okay, you're worth 30 pieces of silver. Does that sound familiar? 30 pieces of silver is what Judas was paid in order to betray Jesus in Matthew 27, verses 3 to 10. Yes, Bible prophecy is here again. Let's read the entire portion now of Zechariah 11, 7 to 12. Zechariah 11, 7 to 12. And I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I took unto me two staves, or staffs, the one I call beauty, and the other I call bands. And I fed the flock. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. Then said I, I will not feed you, That that dieth, let it die, and that that is to be cut off, let it be cut off, and let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder, that I might break my covenant, which I made with all the people. And it was broken in that day, and so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I said unto them, If ye think good, Give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. We've been reading Zechariah chapter 11, verses 7 to 12. We will call this lesson Staffs and Silver, because both are prominent objects mean to convey prophetic truth. Basically, rejection at the first coming of Messiah, which of course was fulfilled graphically and in detail detail in the New Testament, in the Gospels particularly. Verse 7, first of all, we introduce the shepherd, the flock, and the two staffs, basically the two staffs. Zechariah here represents the King Messiah, and he also represents the shepherd. Now, he calls them the flock of slaughter and the flock of oppression. All right, well, one sense, isn't that what happens to sheep? Eventually, they end up in the pot, in the oven. Well, not always. They can also be used for wool. But in this case, this flock is slated for oppression and slaughter because they basically don't want the shepherd. Now, if they followed this shepherd, and if you read the narrative in John chapter 10, or shall we call it the discourse, Jesus talks about being the shepherd of the sheep. He goes before them, 
They follow him because they know his voice. He gives his sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish, and nobody can pluck them out of his hand. This is not talking about sheep that are ready to be slaughtered. These are talking about sheep that are ready to enjoy the kingdom of God. So Jesus gives a wonderful description about not only the destiny of the sheep that follow him, but of course of himself too. And let's never get away from the 23rd Psalm. It is remarkable. Using the metaphor of the shepherd and sheep, it talks about how God leads, feeds, guides, provides, and protects his people, which is indeed what he does, and he does it very, very well. But what we're also seeing is that if you don't accept God's gracious offer to have Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we need Jesus as the mediator because our sins have estranged us from God. Sure, we can talk to God and we can reach out to God and we can do some good works and hope God will notice. That's all possible, but it's not going to get you where you need to go. It's not going to earn you a place in God's kingdom. It will not put your name in the book of life, because this can only happen by faith in the gospel of Christ, the good news. That's what gospel means. The gospel means that Jesus took the penalty of our sins on himself. When he died on the cross, he was buried. And when he rose again on the third day, he did it for our justification, that we would be declared not guilty of sin, and at the same time, concurrently, we would be declared as righteous. Not because we are righteous in ourselves, but Christ's righteousness is imparted to us. So when God sees us, he doesn't see our sinful self anymore. He sees Jesus Christ, King of glory, hope of glory, living in us. I mean, it's the good news. It is fantastic. But here, The shepherd, with this good news, with this wonderful redemption of salvation, will be rejected. That's why there'll be the flock of slaughter and oppression. Then he takes two staffs, calling one of them beauty or favor. The other staff he calls union or bands. Now, one staff is to protect and the other is to assist in difficult places. If Israel would get behind Messiah, then the rift between Judah and Israel, which had been going on since the days of Rehoboam, would be healed, and reunification of the twelve tribes would result. However, this reunification would not be happening at this time because of the sheep rejecting the shepherd. So they would be scheduled for oppression and slaughter. That is their unfortunate destiny. And then we have three shepherds in Zechariah 11.8. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. The shepherds will be cut off in one month, and the flock will abhor the chief shepherd. He, the shepherd, will be weary of the flock. Now, could it be, maybe, that the three shepherds cut off in a month would be the threefold anointed offices in Israel, anointed prophets, anointed priests, and anointed kings. Now, friend, let me explain. The anointing is of the utmost importance. It is God's empowerment, his favor, his, pardon expression, beautification, his authorization, his acceptance of a person or persons to be laboring for him or even indeed to belong to him. The anointing can be described as when God appoints, authorizes, empowers, emboldens whoever he chooses 
to do divine work. It gives you an enablement that is not possible through mere human means. It even gives what we call the touch of the supernatural, where we can do prayer for the sick and they're healed, or we can prophesy, or we can do spiritual gifts, and clearly we are partnering with the Holy Spirit and things begin to happen. That's all part of being anointed. There were anointed kings like David. There were anointed priests like Levi. There are anointed prophets like Moses, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, and so on. Prophets, priests, and kings. I like to always take a chance when possible to remind people our Savior is called Jesus the Christ or Jesus Christ. The same is saying Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is Greek. Both are the languages that were used to write our Bible. And Messiah, or Christ, means anointed one, or the anointed one. The anointed of the anointed. He's anointed a prophet like Moses. He's anointed a priest like Melchizedek. He's anointed a king like David. Indeed, he's the son of David, and he will sit on David's throne forever. Blessed be his name. Well, you see, everybody else is anointed for an office. Jesus is anointed for all. But he will be rejected. The shepherds will be cut off in a month, the three shepherds, that is, because he he is weary of them and they abhor him. So it's like a fracturous divorce. Because of their obstinance, their blindness, their rebellion, in verse 9 of Zechariah 11, it says this, Then said I, I will not feed you that that dieth, let it die, and that that is to be cut off, let it be cut off, and let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. This is dire straits, friend, because what is here is since the flock rejected their shepherd, he's basically saying he will stop feeding them. They will be left to their fate. If they were dying, they will be dead. If they're in danger of being cut off, that will happen as well. And yes, it gets even worse, but I won't go any further. I think we get the message. So thou, because of this rejection of this anointed of the anointed, covenant will be broken too. But not necessarily the ones you think. Zechariah 11, verse 10. The staff that is called favor or beauty will be cut in half. And this will symbolize the breaking of the covenant God made with the nations. What is this broken covenant? One commentator says that the nations had a covenant to not attack Israel, basically stand back, but now it was broken, and Israel would be subject to invasion, occupation, dispersal. Now, that's just one commentator. It remains to be seen. So let's go to verse 11 of Zechariah 11. And it was broken. That's the staff. It was broken in that day. And so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. So how do they know that it was the word of the Lord? How do any of us know that something is the word of the Lord? The answer is simple. If it comes to pass, it's the word of the Lord. And if it comes to pass quickly, it's definitely the word of the Lord. So the breaking of the staff happened in that day. The covenant was broken, obviously, in that day because it was represented by the staff. So the poor of the flock, the ones that actually were most dependent on the shepherd, looked to the shepherd, perhaps really wanted the shepherd, but peer pressure of the more headstrong 
sheep dissuaded them. When they saw the staff broken, they knew it was the word of the Lord. Anytime you see prophecy fulfilled or God's word coming to pass, you know it's God's word because God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. And then we get to verse 12, which is phenomenal. It's up in the same category as Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. Well, this time, it's a very different scenario, but it is a prophecy with a New Testament fulfillment. So the shepherd says unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. So basically, Messiah the shepherd is saying to the rebellious flock, give me my price or keep quiet. So guess what? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. For your information, this was an insult. Because according to Exodus 21 verse 32, if a slave is gored by an ox and therefore is incapacitated, the owner of the ox must pay the master of the slave 30 pieces of silver. Is that what the anointed of the anointed is worth? As we learn in the New Testament, Judas Iscariot was paid 30 pieces of silver in order to betray Jesus. And this is found in Matthew 27, verses 3 to 10. It's chilling and there's more in store. But our lesson is called Staffs and Silver, the 30 pieces of silver. What is our lesson for life? Our lesson for life is that God tells in chilling prophetic detail the suffering of Messiah so that we can appreciate that this is our salvation and the word of the Lord. Another way to put it is God tells us in chilling prophetic detail the suffering of Messiah so we can appreciate the high price he paid for our salvation. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to the homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter. It's a monthly email helping you to become future ready by giving articles on the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, that our Good Shepherd paid the high price for us. Thank you that even this was a painful prophecy. Its fulfillment basically means that this is the word of the Lord, and we can trust it to give us life, health, and salvation. Thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.